0: Is up, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Panthers Nation Network. Uh, I mean, what else can you say about this game? I mean, was anyone surprised? Was anyone, you know, thinking anything different was going to happen? I mean, no, I, I, this is pretty much exactly what I thought was going to happen. I thought we were, I mean, they they were pleasantly surprising me there at the beginning. I thought the offense looked competent, the play calling looked competent. It looked like they could actually block and, you know, perpetrate real offense. Uh, and then the second half, and this isn't Cam. Y'all want to put this on Cam? But uh, what, what what pick did he throw? What fumble did he cause? We've said this since before Cam. The offense cannot form past the second half, and that's continued to to obviously be a factor. We didn't score any points the second half against the Saints' offense that hadn't scored a touchdown the entire first half, and so I don't really know what people are expecting now like yes cam was not great and we saw we saw obviously what was happening you know with cam i mean it wasn't what we wanted and obviously there was some disdain but is this any better because personally i'd rather be in games with someone that i like and care about than to just be stagnant with someone who has shown his ceiling both offensive coaching and quarterback play
1: I guess, you know, as I watched the game, once again, you know, second half disaster, um, not to score in the second half. Um, yeah, there were glimpses in the first uh, there were glimpses in the first half where I'm like, OK, this looks good. This looks decent. Although as a Panther fan, too, I'm sitting there going, please don't let them win or please don't let them be successful because then everybody will go. We got it all fixed up. But um it, I, I don't know what happens in the second half. I don't know if the pressure gets to him or the pressure gets to the coaching staff. Um, I, I, I'm going to put this all on. I, I'm going to put this all on, on Matt rule. I'm not going to put it on Sam Darnold. Uh, I'll, I'll put it a little bit on, um you know, Joe Brady. I mean, not, sorry, not Joe Brady, uh, Jeff Nixon, but he's still new to it, but I'm still putting this all on the head coach. The second half. And that's the way you play. And, I'm not going to put it on Sam. I watched Sam Darnold play today, and I saw some things that you know I was going. Okay, this kid could play football. Um, I've got a question, but I'll let Tyler give his thoughts first. But I just second half it, it that it, it's a it's a disaster every week second half.
2: Yeah, and um, you know it was just a such a Panthers move, uh, such a Panthers thing to happen under Matt Rule um, in the second half when, when we were down, when we were up ten to nine. I just knew we were losing the game when they got in position to, to kick the the field goal to go up 12 to 10, knew that the game was over then and we weren't going to score a point. You know, when we get in situations where they can start to tee off on us is when we really see that offensive line struggle and we can hide that for a while. um, But when you can't stay ahead in games, you have to drop back pass, sit in the pocket. You really see some of that get exposed and, Um, You know, again, just a lack of preparation that like some of the finer details, um, some of the small things that, you know, like, oh, that could have been 10 yards there, 15 yards there, that um, if one small thing changes that we're just missing. Um, And and that continues to happen. So, you know, to add on to your point, Jeff, um, about Matt Rule, you know, it goes on him. Of course, everyone, everyone goes on him. But, um, but yeah, you can, you can really see that in the second half, you know, things get sloppy um, as, as we get tired and just a lot more mistakes get made.
0: I just, I just, this is the ceiling. This is the ceiling. This is not a winning football team. This recipe we have written is not a, it's not a winning football team. It's not, there's nothing exciting about it. Even the touchdown scoring drives are, there's nothing exciting about it. The one play they had in that touchdown scoring drive, that was anything, you know, out of the ordinary, was was cam i think running in that one play and i'm sorry but on that play i'd seen the way offensive line the offensive line was shocking me that first try those first two drives but when cam hit the field cameron irving just did not run he didn't try for that block he he didn't cam could have gotten a couple extra yards and and cam irving just kind of let it happen i mean i thought there was some and maybe i mean i'll go back on it maybe this was a Byproduct, you know that first offensive drive that maybe that that those first two was a byproduct of you know Sam knowing the playbook more than Cam does. I'll 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 give it that, but even if Sam knowing having full knowledge of the playbook still has red zone inefficiency and still can't score more than one offensive touchdown a game if they're if they're lucky. So it's like y'all can say it was Cam all you want, but this is still not a winning football team with Sam. And I know everyone was in gung ho on Sam to begin with. They got a little bit more. So when he went three and zero. and I don't know, you know, cam's presence just brought out all the haters of saying, no, you have a fine team. It's just your quarterback. No, that's not the case. Like it's not no quarterback in this room is going to do well. These line, these line, these offensive linemen are not going to do well. They're bargain bin and they're rookies. They're either inexperienced playing out of their position or just plain not good. I think, Chuba continues to push the the you know the title for offensive rookie of the year for the Panthers. He has been a workhorse. He has done everything he has been asked to him all year. And when he does get his, you know when he does get his recognition, it is nice to see. But other than that, like I mean, what was the point of Terrace Marshall? Brady Christensen came in today, again at a position I didn't think he was supposed to be really at. They try I think they tried him at guard today, if I'm not mistaken, from what it was looking like. Or was that's that a tackle? Or was that a tackle? I mean, I'm also not I mean, this Saints defense is still a tough front seven. It might not be what it used to be, but it's still a tough front seven. So, I mean, I, I don't – I wasn't expecting, you know, our guys to do well against them at all. It still bothers the hell out of me when they can operate a screenplay like it's money, but then they can't block a normal – they can't block normally. They they piss me off so much with that. That The one screen that, you know, Chuba had there at the beginning was great blocking. Uh, but for some reason, when it just turns in standing and blocking – they can't do so, and also our running backs back there. I mean, McCaffrey. I think people forgot how good of a blocking running back McCaffrey came became in those last two seasons before his injury. He was he made up for a lot of the inconsistencies with the offensive line, especially on the tackles. That one sack where Darnold got destroyed was because I think it was Amir Abdullah. It was either Amir Abdullah or or Chuba completely whipped him, both him and Ian both with him, it was a cornerback coming in who just lit Sam up and, and both guys whiffed, didn't even pick him up. I think people have forgotten how good of a blocking running back McCaffrey was because he had to be, because if we were doing pass blocking, it really, it really corralled McCaffrey because if, if we wanted to get if it was a third and 12 and, you know, we knew a simple out route to McCaffrey wasn't going to work. McCaffrey had to stay back in the red zone. That takes away a weapon or excuse me, stay back in the backfield. And that takes away a weapon that could be used and a good weapon at that, as obviously we've seen it as halfback angle routes, what he can turn simple out routes and wheel routes into. I just, I, I you say like, Oh, and I'll put it on Sam. I don't put it on. I, I mean, I don't think there's anybody to put it on. I just don't think this is a formula for a, a successful football team. It's not. And you can like, they can throw the three-year graphic on. They're all they up there all they want. But if that rule is telling these guys, I can make more money, at other jobs, but I choose not to. If that's what he's using as his vote of confidence, then this team is doomed from this team has been doomed more so than we even thought. I mean, Joe person has always done good work in analyzing the Panthers. I've always loved him as a beat rider for the Panthers. He doesn't have a whole lot of competition to go up against with some of the guys he has to face. But as far as a beat writer goes, Joe person's normally, he normally hits the hell pretty much on the head. And the article he put out this week was just, was just eye opening. And and it it sort of made me feel you know validated for some of the things that we've been talking about all all season long. I don't know if y'all got a chance to look at it.
2: Oh yeah, all that stuff was uh, pretty telling about um, some of the behind the scenes stuff that we you know we we know exists, but we never really know for sure, and we still don't know all the details of what what goes on, and what's said. But um, a lot of those reports, a lot of what we read this week was uh, was pretty telling, and I think as Panther fans, um, you know, I was. In the pre-show we were talking how you know there's no end in sight right now like one, one if we have a great off season this year we're not going to be we're not going to be in the driver's seat of anything um there's 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 a structural foundation that is not right with the organization and uh we need to get that right before we go out on the field and um you know try to win and because it's it looks like a mess every week and uh i think also this week i don't know if it was in our group chat or on one of the panthers instagrams um there's a picture of 2013 panthers team after uh after a win and uh just to see like all the Pan- panthers you know all the players cam jonathan stewart having like a great time smiling after the game it just it's like wow, we haven't seen that in a long time and uh we miss that and um You know, just just with what's been going on this season, the downward spiral since halfway through the year, um, it just really leaves us thinking that there's there's no end in sight. So
1: I read the article, too, and it was pretty uh, scathing article. And I think that rule, um, I I guess what I struggle with is this. And I would love to get your guys opinions on this, because this is what I've been thinking about, Um, because I've seen other coaches that have veteran NFL experience or whatever, do great things. If we had a Sean Payton as our head coach, hypothetically, with the team we put out there today, could we have won? And what I'm getting at is, are we missing the boat on and 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 I'm I'm putting it solely still on Matt Rule, and I'm gonna go down with the ship. I'm just going down with it. It's not it's not working, and and it it appears from what I've heard here in Charlotte and everything, you know, Tapper's gonna give him year three. And it looks like if he's the head coach, then we're gonna have Sam Darnold for year three. Um, like I said, I I saw a couple things from Darnold Day. I was like, okay, when he has time to step into a throw and make a throw, we're good to go. He had some, there were some drops. But when you're getting sacked seven times, and when Jack was like um saying, you know, the one he got he hit on and got creamed, I wanted to go, which one were you talking about? I mean, that and there was there was two hits in the last minute and a half drive where he got just crushed. And the one he threw the interception uh the end of the game, he was getting crushed. He just did his best to try to make a play. I, I'm just going back to the realm of Jack, if this is our ceiling, it's our ceiling with Matt Rule. If Sean Payton was the coach of the Panthers are could we've won the game today? If Sean McVay was the coach, Matt LaFleur, I could keep throwing him out there. I the ceiling is could be higher, but not with the coaching staff
0: we have. No. No, and I'll flip the script even further. Look at I can't even tell you his name. Jeff, you would know AFC South. Who is the Texans head coach?
2: David Culley. Thank David you.
0: Yeah. How many wins did the Texans have this season? Four. Four, including one against the now top-seeded Tennessee Titans. Yeah. How many wins did the Panthers have? Five. How much money did Dave, whatever his name is, get yeah. paid? How how many? How long of a contract did he get? Not seven yeah. years. David Culley. He, he came in. Is, year, wasn't he? Did he just step in for the year? Or did they sign him for? I'm not even sure. I think he's the interim. I think, I think,
1: he's, I think he's just the interim coach until they hit the new year.
0: Do do we see it? I mean, like, oh, no. like he's one loss away from from matching the Panthers record. One yeah. loss. If we lose next week and they win, their their seasons have amounted to the exact same thing. And name one super name one player on the Texans roster right now. Brandon cooks. I think he's normally, he's a, he's a good bet to always be on the Texans. If not, he's on the saints, but tell me one, like, that's what I'm saying, Jeff, and you're absolutely right. The problem is, I don't think we're going to move away from that rule. And at no. this point, I mean, no. I, I don't expect to, if you're going to do that, I think Phil Snow's got to go. I think Jeff Nixon absolutely cannot stay. Because the wor- that would be the worst thing is to have – is to retain this current coaching staff, including the coordinators. Because Matt Rule being an offense – or being a college-minded coach, in college, they get pretty much free reign. As Joe Person mentions, they get pretty much free reign of almost all the football decisions on the program. Rule is absolutely 100% still in that mindset. As we saw in that article, yeah. these are things yeah. we already knew. You need coordinators that are going to stick up to him. You need coordinators that are going – I think Brady – I don't know if he tried. I don't know if he just got burnt out. I don't know if he realized, okay, there's nothing I could do here. I'm just going to, you know, ride this out until either I get out or or I get noticed somewhere else. I don't know what his future holds and, you know, whether he negatively affected us more than we negatively affected him. But if you have Jeff Nixon or – yeah, Jeff Nixon – or is it Jeff Nixon? I can't remember. Yeah. If you have his best friend and then his other former colleague, both as coaches – it's going to be the exact same thing. And you're not going to see that growth. You're not going to see it because this isn't college. It's not college. So if you keep everything, if, if this team stays the same way, which I think it could only get really worse because you're going to have either players not resign. I mean, you can do what you want in the draft, but again, we've seen they don't use rookies right away, or if they do, they don't develop them to where they need to. Jeremy chin. Yes. Has had a good amount of tackles this year, but has he gotten any better in coverage? As he, have we seen him be as impactful as he was last season? Even Derek Brown, was he any near impactful this season as he was last year? He had, I'll tell you though, he's a fighter. That one, that ver, one of the very first drives with Alvin Kamara, you know, we completely lost coverage on him and Alvin Kamara was going up the sideline. Derek Brown was the one that tackled him. Derek Brown caught up to Alvin Kamara about 10 yards downfield. I don't know how he did that after, you know, he hurtled the Hartsfield or whoever he, you know, Kamara was able to bl- bl- break away from. It's just, so obviously rookies in the draft aren't going to do anything. I think the GM hopefully will stop doing these bargain bin guys. He might realize, hey, we need to actually get, you know, substantial guys. If I'm him right now, I'm looking at any way. I'm looking to see if I am Fitterer, what in the world we can get for Tristan Wirfs. If if if, if, the, if the Buccaneers want McCaffrey and they want – if they want McCaffrey and they want – give them – if they want McCaffrey and Dante – I'm saying, all right, take it. Take McCaffrey, take Dante, give us Tristan Worfs. I'll I'll take that. That's the that's the lineman, is it not, Tyler? Or am I mistaken?
2: Yeah, Tristan Worfs, yep. Okay. I,
0: I I take it. I would take it in a heartbeat because that's a guy that I would love to have on my offensive line. And Chuba, like I said, Chuba has shown that he can be, if there's blockers, he could be a an actual viable running back. Of course, of course he's no Christian McCaffrey, but I mean at this point, what is the Chris, Christian McCaffrey getting us? If, if, if our line is horrible, what is any running back back they're going to get us? So if, if, it's my, if it's my choice, I'm saying go all out on offensive line. I've screamed it since we started this podcast circa 2019. Please, for the love of God, go out on the offensive line. If it means making some big trades, if it means getting rid of some guys, look at your defensive backs right now. I know we were clamoring for defensive backs for forever, but now we have a pretty good roster of defensive backs. I mean, you know, CJ, we might be able to shop off. We'll see how JC does when he comes back. AJ, Stefan, Dante, like, you've got guys. I mean, hell, Keith wasn't horrible. He wasn't great. I saw a few plays from Kenny that I liked. I saw a few, you know, uh, you know heads-up plays from Kenny that I liked at free safety back there. I just, I just, I, I don't know, because clearly we make decisions that pain us. We cut Razul Douglas, then he s- decides to start lighting the world on fire. That's always fun to watch. Um, I just, I'm rambling because I just there's no, there's just I I see no I see no end in sight right now, and that's that's my biggest fear is that I don't see I don't
2: huh? That's the name of the episode.
0: Yeah, yeah, there's no end in sight.
2: He's
0: been taking he's been taking paying attention to how I name these episodes, huh? (laughs) I mean, there is there is there is because until rule gets out of here, I just I mean. It's not a college program. You can't flip a program in three years, and 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 people see like the guys coming in see that you're signing these guys from Temple and from Baylor that would not make an actual NFL roster without him. It's like you know, it's like us watching our high school, our old high school, going, "Oh, he could play there," knowing full well he couldn't play there, but we want him to. Same with South Carolina. Half the time, we know there are players in South Carolina that I would love. It's like to carry on. DeGarion did really great. Do I think he could make an NFL roster? No. Am I going to pick him up just because I know him? I shouldn't. Here, it doesn't mean you're going to be successful. You can give the man opportunity. And there's nothing wrong with giving people opportunities. But when you do so to the behest of not only your GM, and that was a problem. You know, when That's why we saw much less Temple and Bailey people in this year's draft than you did last year's. Because Fitterer was there to make an impact. It wasn't just, geriatric, whoever it was, you know, sitting in the side going, yeah, Matt rule, you take whoever you want. You know, it wasn't Marty Herney over there saying you, I, you, whatever you cannot like, really, if you want rule to still be this coach, and you want him to be successful. You have to clip his wings at every, every aspect. I don't really know what he does at that point. Cause I don't want him at press conferences. I don't want him at practices. I don't want him running plays. I don't, I'm sorry. I'm rambling. I just, I'm just, I, I, I see there's no light at the end of the tunnel right now
2: yeah you know there really isn't when talking about that coaching staff um and you're right there needs to be somebody that tells rule no or says hey let's maybe do something a different way because when he's in charge and we're losing um it's going to be all on him to change there's not going to be when he's coaching with his buddies it's going to be a lot harder for them to step up and you know have him make a change whereas if you get guys that are coming in here and competing for a job personally and want to continue to rise up the ranks um that will step up and say something uh to rule you know that that, that'll be more effective and it's going to help um the team and it's going to help rule it's going to help his shot with the with the with the team and his nfl career because i mean we all know now that he's firmly on the hot seat there there's no denying that and so um you know the defense was, has been good enough this year to where um you know phil snow will stick around but the offense the offensive coordinator spot is going to be really interesting to see it play out and uh it, and it's going to be critical to our success next year it's it's going to be absolutely critical um whoever is our oc is going to be the, really the, the determining factor in you know the rest of rule's career and it, it really is so um if we get a guy that can come here and you know do things his way and get the offense going because we have the defense playing at a good enough level right now to where we can win games. Like, you know, holding teams to under 20 points, you, you should be able to win those games. Um, so to really get the offense going, we have the talent, like we talked about. We just got to, you know, put it all together and come with a plan. Even when we do have a, you know, below average offensive line to put it up nicely or, you know, injuries at the skill position spots, there's still, there still has to be a way to produce yards and points. You, you got to figure that out. That's, that's the job. That's the job at the end of the day. Because you know, if you have great players, they're gonna they're gonna make great plays. But as a coach, you need to get the most out of you know some of the bargain bin guys that you're gonna have to play. And, and we were talking before the show how you know the 18 game season wears on you, and you're not always gonna have your starters. You're, you're not always gonna have your great players in. Um, you got to find ways to win without them. And every team deals with it. And the ones that that win, they can do it.
0: I mean, I'll give you the prime example right there. How many touchdowns did that practice squad wide receiver for the Patriots have today? And how many has he had the the last three weeks? I think it's four or five, if I'm not mistaken. He's a practice squad player. And you think Bill Belichick's whining over there, oh, you know, it's not the guy we really wanted in there. We would rather have named their other wide receiver who's on their team, the other one that doesn't catch touchdowns. Or, you know, it's just, it's, like you're right. I mean, like <clears throat> I think the prime example of it was, and I think it's why we see defensively. This we have depth. I mean, the the defensive backs. I think they are raw. I think they have that ability. I think they need that coaching, unfortunately. But like Frankie Luvu, I think he filled in. I mean, he did. He did it. He did a damn good job. It's not his Noah San Reddick, but he was there when he needed to be.
1: He played. He played a heck of a ball game. I was. And I he, saw him a couple times. That was one name I wrote down. Was. He, he showed up. I thought he played a great game. I and he's he done that, good.
0: whether he's been filling in for Jermaine in the middle, whether he's filled in for the, Shaq on the got left. To the got to the ball. He's done what he's needed to do. And that was the guy at the beginning of the year we were like, oh, cool. That's just, you know, a, a, a filler signing. And he's and he's shown that he can do that. And that's without, you know, and because he has that ability. He has that perspective. And I think, Jeff, you talk about it. I mean, you've been obviously, you know, you've seen different eras of the NFL. You've seen different guys go. But I think it's more telling when we watch, especially stuff with John Madden. I think there's different, there's those different types of coaches. The ones that work and the ones that don't. I think that's what makes like former head coaches coming back, like former head coaches taking offensive, like coordinator positions. I love, I think that's what, you know, Rivera and Norv Turner together were amazing when we had the ability to do so, you know, then they couldn't unfortunately do what Norv had written in mind. I would love to see Rivera come back as a defensive coordinator. I don't know if he would do that, but I would love that to see. I mean, right. you see it and you see it or, or, you know, um, yeah, you see it in top Bowles, you see uh, DNP's. You see it all the time. You see these historic guys that have either been being been a coordinator for Doug so Peterson. long. Or Doug huh? Peterson was
1: the head coach. Doug Peterson was the head coach. Now exactly. He was, you know.
0: And and o. it's and it's doing well. Freaking um, the Steelers the, the guy the guy y'all got from the Steelers that went that went back to the, the defensive coordinator, or was that DNP's? Oh. Huh? No, what was his name? The old guy. Oh, Dick LeBeau. Dick LeBeau. 99? Yeah. I mean, like it just it it works out so much better when you have people that are, because those kind of guys will step up to the coach. They know what it is like to be a head coach. These college coaches have no idea what it's like to be a head coach. Joe Brady, while he might've had good ideas, had no way to say around, you know, what he should or shouldn't be doing because he had no experience in that spot. And it's just, I, it's just, I, I just don't, I don't know what they're expecting.
1: We're it, y'all call it what you, you all call it or whatever. I'm calling it the hamster in the wheel. We're at the hamster in the wheel. We're just running around in the wheel. We're not going anywhere. We're just hamstring the wheel, running, running, running. Um, You know, and it's just, you know, I was looking at some of the stats. And what's so weird is, like, you know, we had more first downs than they did. 16 to 15. You know, uh, we the total plays, we had 59, they had 58. Um, You know, but here's where it gets, it's just the little things that break it open, if that makes sense. And that's where it comes to the coaching. You had Sean Payton versus Matt Rule. And, you know, you're talking about 59 plays to 58 plays. We had 170 yards of offense. We had 90 yards passing. And we held Alvin Kamara to 35 yards. He had 35 yards rushing. Alvin Kamara had 35 yards rushing. Taysom Hill, I mean, I know we hate the name, but it's like, you know, he threw for 207, we threw for 90, I think is what it was, is the the total figure or whatever. It's just those – all the numbers are there, but it's those little things that create winners. Um, and, and, and right now you don't have that. And I've, I, it's beaten up, you know, beating the same drum. We don't have that NFL veteran presence on the coaching staff that knows those little intranet. Int- what's the word I'm looking for? Sorry. Intr- Intr- me- Thank you. You know, I'm getting it. It's just those little things that like, I mean, the stats, you know, on certain things are. You listen, know, right there.
0: listen, Jeff, you could read the stats all you want and you could say it's a coaching bet all you want. It could have been Kevin James down there cosplaying as Sean Payton and this, the outcome would have been the same. No, oh, I don't know. About that. It does not matter who we have coached against, who we have played against. In these battles, well, we've seen. No, what,
1: what I'm saying though is Sean Payton got the win. They got the win because they had Sean Payton at the helm. No, I mean let's be real. If Sean Pay- flip, flip them, flip them. If we had Sean Payton on the Panthers and Matt Rule over at the Saints. The Panthers would have won that
0: football game. I would argue that much. I'm is, just Sam saying, Darnold, like,
1: is Sam Darnold a better quarterback than 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 Taysom Hill?
0: Yes, because he's a quarterback. Taysom Hill is still not a quarterback. That's, I don't that's care that's, what you. That's,
1: wish. That's, that's all I'm trying to say. It's like you could take a Sean McVay, you could take a Sean Payton, you can take a Matt Lafleur, uh, even a Zach Taylor or whatever from Cincinnati. I mean, and 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 bring him to this team with a Christian McCaffrey and stuff like that, and get and
0: gets and, and they could have won that game today the problem is that this, the way that either the, if, whether it's rule or the offense or whatever, this team, this, this offense is not going to perform inside the red zone. It won't, it'll do whatever it wants to, to get it. Even the one touchdown we had today wasn't even from inside the red zone. It was a 30 yard rush from outside the red zone. Like once he gets in the red yeah. zone, that's it. You're done. I, I would rather a score outside. I'd get excited when we're out of the red zone. Once we get in the red zone, I'm like, ah, there it is. There's no touchdown here. We're going to get a field goal. And I'm not going to put it on, you know, Gonzalez from or no, it's not even Gonzalez now. Who is it? I don't even remember the guy. I didn't name. even know. I, I don't even I know what his name was. I call him I don't Hallelujah. I didn't don't know. I mean, I have no, I'm, don't I don't know mean. if that's bad or not. I, I don't know if that's editable or not. I don't know. I have no idea. Um, It's definitely secular, I guess. But uh, um, uh no, I mean, so I, I'm not going to put any blame on him for missing a field goal. Like, no, because we shouldn't be putting ourselves in that position. I will never, I understand kickers should do their job, but you should never be putting yourself in that position. To where you can't, if you're in the red zone or damn near close to it, convert. Like that's where you're supposed to pull everything. The rabbit's got to be out of the hat there. And when you have the like there, and it wasn't like we didn't even try with a lot of those plays. We didn't even try. And I want to hear also the exact same critiques from Cam, and I want to hear them for Sam. There was three or four. I mean, and I know the end of the game he was getting roughed up, but the beginning of the game he was throwing balls on the ground. He was overthrowing players or underthrowing players. Balls were still getting batted down at the line of scrimmage. So again, I'm not trying to defend Cam, but I'm not. I'm not trying to defend Sam. Like I just, I just don't know what the I, there's so many holes now. Right. Somehow I
1: mean, this team is not better with Cam Newton at quarterback. No, but it's not worse. No, it's not. But I mean, it's just it's 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 that offensive line. It's just that offensive line.
0: I told it went. We went from having all these holes on the defense and our offensive being offense being secure to completely flipping the script, even with more weapons, you know, being either either being brought back up or trying to be, you know, like we had the more consistent weapons there. That's what's always been completely frustrating about this offense. The weapons have been there. The weapons are there. Whether it's about whether they're being healthy or not, but the one thing that directly affects all of them is the offensive line, which we have consistently neglected. They finally figured that out on the defense. And yes, it hasn't been, you know, great in leaps and bounds. The defense has definitely taken a slope off, but, and I don't really, I mean, Todd, I don't, I really don't know what to, what to attribute to the defense's, you know, decline. I mean, today I wouldn't call a decline. We held, you know, the saints to one touchdown. We, we bend, we didn't break. If, you know, if your defense is only letting up field goals, you can't knock them for the offense, not being able to also kick field goals.
2: Right. Yeah. And, you know, like we said today, I mean, today was a good, a good day. You'll take that any day from, from the defense, you know, given that the saints offense has nothing and uh, they are really just going off coaching, but still you'll take that. And um, that's a winnable game played by the defense, but, um, you know, started out really good and still maintained, maintained throughout the season, but did have that slow decline, like you mentioned. And I think a lot of it goes to, um, we talked about it last week uh, if you're playing on defense, it can get real frustrating when, well, we're going back out there. The offense can't score. Well, we're going right back out there Um, after turnovers, punts, um, three and outs, like it it can get real frustrating for a defense. And the more you're out there and the more hits you're, you're making, um, you know, it wears down on you. And so I think that's one of the, you know, we we have the same players. We've gotten new players as the seasons have gone along, and uh, haven't gotten much better. And I think that's that's the real reason why we haven't really taken that next step as a defense uh, to truly being a dominant unit that um, is really recognized by the league is because you know we're not getting the most out of our guys, and it's understandable because when you're going out there knowing that hey, if they score, we, we might lose the game. <laughs> like if they score at least a touchdown, we, we might lose this game. And that can be real frustrating on a defense. Um, and then especially as the season goes on and when you're out of things, um, those hits late in the year, like, it's, it's a much less physical game on our side of the ball um, now in the year than it was um, when we were playing for something. So um, that also goes back to coaching too, is you know getting your guys to play hard when there's nothing on the line. And sure. you know it is a man's league, but you, you got to do it. You
0: got to do it. Well, I think that's unfortunately where I I believe, you know, Phil Snow, I've never seen him as outspoken as a man to do that kind of stuff. And I think, you know, he was also not very, not, he was very non-confrontational and that's where I question rules, decision-making sometimes where to, he would just give up. I mean, we talk about Razul Douglas, a guy that obviously did not make flashes here, but clearly, obviously had the potential to do so and just was not brought out of him. Or I look at Denzel Perriman, you put him with Gus Bradley and the Raiders. And he's playing like a pro bowl linebacker, but you cut him before the season starts because, you know, there are some disagreements. Like I, I, you don't have to like the guy. He doesn't have to be your best friend. I mean, obviously there needs to be some sort of chemistry and mutual respect, but I wouldn't blame Denzel Perriman for not respecting Matt rule. If I thought that he was being nepotistic to some of the, the people that he was putting there on the, on the line of scrimmage, it's just like, I mean, cause then look at today, you know, I mean, again, Jermaine Carter, I want to like Jermaine Carter. I want him to succeed. I don't know what he provides. I don't, I don't see him flying to tackles. I don't see him in coverage. I just, and maybe that's because I'm not analyzing it hard enough. And maybe if I look deeper into the all 22, I'll see his impact, but just solely off of, you know, the, the naked eye, I'm not seeing where he, he provides. And I'm not saying Denzel Perriman would, but at least then you took a, you're taking a chance on a guy that you wanted to bring in here, and not just kind of going, okay, this is what we have. Like I think Jermaine has again that potential. Do I think this defensive coordinator and this defensive staff is going to bring it out of him? No. That's my fear with some of these, you know, with relying on these rookies, relying on these younger guys, Miles Hartfield, you know, uh, Keith Taylor. Do I think they have potential? Yes. Do I think we have the ability to bring it out of them? No. So then that's just a wash that's just wasted time and wasted talent. And I, it I concerns, you know, like Marquise Haynes, I understand why, you know, he hasn't seen as much as we would like to. I mean, Morgan Fox, where did he go? Like, I understand you is your guy, but like, wasn't even rotations and ha- in, in rotations half the time. And today, I mean, he didn't make a huge impact, but I looked at that front four of Daquan, you know, Derek, Yuter, and Brian. I mean, and Morgan and Brian, it's not a bad looking front four, but, clearly there's something missing there's a piece missing there's a cog not going and and it's just it's causing this ripple effect the linebackers have been nothing to kind of write home about the defensive backs have been something we've been so like there's so much potential there which can't keep them all freaking healthy and and then i mean i i say that more just cornerbacks and the problem is that we have all these cornerbacks but we can't keep at least two of them or three of them healthy at a time to where we can have Dante and we can have, you know, I mean, what was it? It was Keith and I'm trying to remember who it was. It was it Keith and Dante today, or was it Keith and Uh, Melvin? Yeah, it was Keith and Melvin today. I don't know what's going on there. I mean, you have all these guys, and then, you know, your, your safeties have always been this, you know, concerning position and they've continued to just ignore it. And, it hasn't really mattered because people haven't had to go to the third line of defense because the second and first line of defense are both open so it hasn't really been an issue of concern because it hasn't really been focused on it's just like it just seems like a team in shambles it is a it's it's a what what did skip call it a clown clown, clown show clown show. clown show or more eloquently put a clusterfuck as what it was alluded to I just, and that's what it is. It's really what it is. There's just seems there's no direction there. I mean, and, and this is nothing new people. The, 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 the lack of direction, lack of chemistry, lack of identity. That's all yesterday's news. That's all last week's podcast. Well, and yes. it's going to continue to be the, the, the narrative until something gets done about it. And I'm waiting for Tepper to swallow his pride. Cause you got to think, you got to think he's embarrassed. I mean, this does not look like a well-run business. This looks like an Arby's.
1: I, it, it, I mean, yeah, I, I don't I don't even know where to go with it. I was trying to look on um, Matt Rule's press conference or whatever, and people are saying, like, here he goes coddling uh, Sam Darnold again or whatever and, like, get this guy out of town. And, by the way, at the Hornets game in Uptown Charlotte, uh, people are actually wearing Fire Matt Rule T-shirts. Um, <laughs> at I a don't doubt it. At a, at a Hornets game. Um, you know, Jack, you mentioned all the guys who – you've got this group playing, you got these guys playing, you have these people injured, you have all these rotations – I'm gonna just keep beating the dead horse. It's it's uh, uh, okay. Mike Vrabels had 89 different players this year. There's guys playing today that I'm like, wait, who was that guy? We're getting healthy again, but I'm like, you know, but they figure it out. A good NFL coach figures it out, gets the best players on the field who know what they're doing, and at least puts a product out there that people can be happy about. Um, I don't know the depth as much as you guys do in terms of the Panthers, but that's a GM and 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 coach ru- coach you know decisions and coach you know or dictate a rule call them whatever you want, um, I I mean it's just it's it, yeah it, it's it's I don't even I mean Tyler and I were talking a minute ago b- before the show started about like am I happy or what do I think about having eighteen weeks? You think Panther fans are happy they got to watch another week against um, two, you know, against Tampa Bay. You know, I, I you know we I'm sure most Panther fans wish the season was over with now.
0: It could it but, could be against the the Pop corner Patriots, and I'd still be concerned about this game. Like I don't want I, I I I don't even get mad anymore. And I think a lot of the problem stems back to I think Tepper had a misguided view of this organization when he came into it. I I mean you got to think he's been with the Steelers. When was the last time the Steelers were in a rebuild? I don't even think I don't think be, Jeff might was, be next year.
1: Might be next year.
0: <laughs> I mean, okay, but yeah, it might be next year. Yeah. But when was the last time? Yeah, right. I don't think Jeff might have been alive the last time they were so he was thinking this was coming into an organization with a established base, a history. The reality of this organization when he was coming in, our our, our generation of you know players that allowed us to go to the Super Bowl, they were two they were one step out the door already. Almost eighty five percent of them hernie Herney had been in for what? At least two, maybe three years, if I'm doing math right. I can't remember when Gettleman got out. I can't entirely remember when Gettleman got out, but it was before this all happened. I can't remember. Herney had been laying the groundwork of chaos for a few years beforehand, if I'm not mistaken, and I'll go oh, back. Yeah, and- yeah, yeah, it was a couple years. And if I'm wrong, I will go back and redo that. But, so there was all that like that depth that you're talking about was not there. I'm not putting this on Fitterer because then again, he made the this like Tepper. I'm gonna give put this on him. You made the stupid decision. I'm gonna continue to, to argue this point. Made the decision to fire the coach before giving him another chance with an actual GM. Yep. I, I don't, you know, Marty Herney, yes, at one point might have built up a good team. Then he stopped. And then Dave Gettleman might've tried to build up a good team. Then he lost touch. Marty Hearney was not like we, he was supposed to be interim and you never gave this guy an actual GM to pair with. So then once rule came in a college minded guy who has the full say, cause there are no college GMs. He went, he, it was, it was his, like Jeff said, dictator rule. Yeah. And it was, it was under his rule for a lack of better words. To to, to to make the decisions that continued to destroy the depth of this team and continue to turn it into a team that a lot of us didn't even recognize. A lot yeah. of these guys that there was a reason Marquise Haynes or, or Mario Addison or Ed Dixon or Chris Manshurt or Tyler Larson, there was a reason these guys stayed in their positions they were in for as long as they did because they were supposed to be depth-adding positions. They built, brought character to the locker room, leadership, dependability, Coordination and chemistry, all that went to the wind without a base. And so now you're trying to build up chemistry and build up an organization and build up an identity without the proper people in place to do so. Fitterer has helped. He had had a bad start with the two offensive linemen, but I get what he was trying to do. He was trying to turn a bad situation, you know, a, a, a horrible situation into a bad situation. Just get me some bodies in there. There aren't even bodies in there. Just get me some bodies. He should have shut out a little bit more, but he knew the areas where it's going to be flashier that it's going to make us. I mean, he knew exactly what he's doing. Drafting JC, getting Stefan Gilmore, getting CJ Henderson, like bringing Champ back, getting Amir Abdullah. He knew exactly what he was doing at that point for himself. Because I mean, we were all sitting there going, Oh my God, Scott Fitter is the greatest GM in the world. Is that the case? No, but does he have a lot more slack from us? Yes. And do I, am I more confident in what he can do in the next few years than what rule can do? Absolutely. Provided he takes those steps to continue to develop. That's what I hate about GMs. It seems that they make those decisions and then they stop. It's very, very rare. You get your John Robinson's that actually continue to make and continue to bring up consistent talent. It's very rare. You get that, you know, with the, but what the bucks have or what the Seahawks had for a while there, what the 49ers have or the Rams have, that you can do that consistent. That's what makes a good GM. It's, always kind of flown under the radar when you also have a good head coach to back that up a Bruce Arians a Sean McVay you know a Mike Vrabel it's always kind of thrown under the rug but the GM is just as much a contributing factor of that success if not more so I think we have our piece in place for GM I have more faith in Scott Fitter because he's shown me he can operate like an NFL GM he said we're going to be in every trade were we not in every trade Sure, some of them were dumb, like trying to get Matt Stafford. Even I will still say that was not would not have been a good choice. But we've been in all these trades and we've cut these guys when we need to. We've signed guys. We I mean, this is the GM that brought Cam Newton back. It wasn't rule, it wasn't temper. I mean, it was kind of temper, but Scott was obviously in the conversation. So that is my two cents is that you cannot do this wrong again. You now have a GM in place. You should have gotten that GM three years ago before sending Rivera to the curb. Because clearly, you know, I don't even know the GM in uh, Washington, but it can't be an all great one because it's Washington. But was still able to make up, you know, make good selections, make good picks, get good free agencies. Like he got, you know, Curtis Samuel, which I mean, isn't, but you know, still done well in the draft. I just now you have the ability to correct your mistake, Tepper, and and get either if you want to start with coordinators. Let Scott Fitterer choose those coordinators. Do not let Matt Rule choose those coordinators. Do not let yourself choose those coordinators, because I don't trust you, David Tepper, to understand and evaluate what makes a good coordinator. I trust Fitterer, because someone had to tell Pete Carroll to shut up once in a while, and they were able to do so. Pete Carroll wasn't the one making the Legion a boom. It's just now you have the ability to correct your wrongs. So if you don't fire Matt Rule... I'll understand. It's not a business decision. I get that. But you got to start showing me that there is that you're competent because I'm starting to question your validity as an owner.
2: Go ahead, Go ahead Tyler. <laughs> yeah, you know, absolutely. And you're right. It starts from the top down. It really does. It, re- it really does. And we got, it's about bringing the right people in the building and having it work from the top down and, you know, we talk about coaching complaints and, and but who hired the coaches. Then that's the thing. So uh, you know, getting getting that in, in order and knowing that, hey, we got a good one, in Scott Fitter, or at least it looks like it so far. So let's it's like it's like you're building it's almost like you're building a team. Like, hey, we got a good quarterback, which we wish we did. Um, but let's build around him. But hey, we have a good GM, so let's surround him with what he thinks is going to be you know a good coaching staff good coaches all the way from head coach to the assistants um and then and then from there you build the team around that so it, it, it's really just from the top down and so allowing somebody that you trust and who's done he's proved to do a really good job and scott fitter who, who's been around a winning culture um and a winning pro and team with with the seahawks um really enabling him i think it's going to be Um, something to look for this off season and hopefully we get word on some of the decisions that are made this off season and where they came from and where they're derived from. And if it's more of the, the fitter decision, the rule, or is it Tepper? So, um, you know, we kind of do have this power struggle right now between all three parties, it seems. So, uh, you know, to really combine to one in one thought, one decision to where we, we just really get the best people in the building that's going to be critical Critical to you know the, the future of the Panthers.
1: Let me go. Let me go go along those lines. Um, I'll, if if y'all will allow me, I'll, I'll talk about the Titans. I mean, you look at A- Amy Adams, strunk John Robinson, Mike Vrabel. Those three are like the Holy Trinity. If you know what I mean, it's like they are like they have this trust factor that like Amy Adams strunk knows what Mike Vrabel is going to do and knows what John Robinson is going to do, and you see them just kind of this this core of of that and what they've built in a program. And it's not pretty, it's not flashy, but it goes out and gets the job done because they trust one another and they get it all done. John Robinson actually filled in as linebacker on the scout team this week <laughs> on a couple of plays. Um, But, and, and we don't have that here. And if there's that power struggle, you're going to crash and burn. You're just, you're going to crash and burn, which they're doing. Um, So you, you got to figure out the, the, you, you, you got to figure it out. If those, if, you know, if the coaches, and the GM and the owner are on three separate, you know, I don't know, th- three separate realms of what this might look like. It's not gonna, it's not gonna fly. It's not gonna get off the ground.
0: I'm sorry. Can we backtrack? Did you just say the GM went in at at linebacker on scout defense? Yeah,
1: he had on sweatpants and warm up suit or whatever, and went out and just kind of like, uh, yeah, um, just to fill, just to fill a spot for the fun of
0: it. Oh, I thought. Well, Mike
1: Vrabel goes one on one with
0: the. Well, said, um, why did Vrabel not go first? I thought Vrabel would put pads and he helmet one. on. He
1: was working with the offensive lineman. He was
0: of course taking he a, was
1: him and Taylor one were having a battle. Of course he was. Of course he was. I think, but, but you know, what I'm getting it. So
0: I, I um, think Jeff that oligarch that oligarchy works yeah. when you have th- when when you have three people that have consistent. And adequate football knowledge. Right. Tepper, I know you've watched football all your life, but as far as action and, and you've played a part with the Steelers, but and that all that oligarchy, I think, is what we currently have now. It's more of a democracy. And it doesn't, or, or maybe even a dictatorship between Rule, Tepper, and Fitterer. I think honestly, there needs to be a hierarchy established. I don't think that they should all be are they like, you know, they should all be equally making the decisions or having the same input. They can all make the decisions. But if I'm taking a guy who's been around, like you said, a, win, a historically winning organization in the Seahawks in the time frame with which they were, and you know, kind of right there on the sidelines, a guy who's, yes, watched from the sidelines from the, from the luxury boxes as the Steelers have been what the Steelers are, and then a guy who's built up college programs, I'm sorry, fitterers getting first say. Y'all can have your input, but fitters got to make that decision. If you're going to keep these guys, it cannot be. There's got to be some sort of hierarchy established because there's someone who has staunch more football knowledge directly, at least in terms of rebuilding an organization, because rebuilding an NFL team is not the same as rebuilding a college organization, as anyone will tell you. And for Depper, this isn't a business. It's not it's not an actual, you know, legitimate business. It is and it isn't, though. You cannot treat it like you treat personnel at a business you have to be able to swallow your pride consistently evaluate and reassess what needs to be fixed and i just it's just i i we i feel like i mean it, with the blinders of cam now off you know and the and and having sam in like we said hopefully this will make them understand that you can have you know it could be jordan coming back to the bulls But if it's not Scottie Pippen with him and it's freaking, you know, name a player, like it's not going to work. It's not going to work out like he needs that help around him. And so no matter what quarterback you put back there, it's not going to matter. And hopefully this will show him that the weapons that we have are being wasted by the lack of areas that they are choosing to neglect at this point it has to be a choice. I mean, I know there's nothing you can do right now to fix it. And you just at this point of the season you just kind of have to do with what you can. But if you can see if if you can if they can seriously go into this offseason thinking we don't need to change something on the offensive line, then just don't don't show up. Just do not show up to Bank of America week one. I, I don't you're just doing the city, the organization, the legacy of this team a disservice.
1: Well let me let me throw that in there because you mentioned legacy and I'd love to get Tyler's thought and your thought on this Jack too. You know obviously the finalists came out for the Hall of Fame. And Sam Mills was in it um, as one of the finalists. Um, I know Steve Smith wasn't, but Sam Mills was. Sam Mills can't be looking down right now in this organization and go, "Hey, I'm I'm proud to have you know you know what I'm getting at." It, it, you just you've lost, you've lost everything. You 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 really have. You you've lost everything that was in the Carolina Panthers. Does that make sense? Am I making sense? Well, the problem, you and are, I'm just, and I'm and I'm not the diehard you guys are, but it's just. It's 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 just it's sad that you've you've lost that whole demeanor, that whole here we are, this is what we're doing, and this is where we're going. And it's just it's I it's 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 a little on the sad side.
2: It is, it is. And you know, I, I remember talking a couple of weeks ago on here and we were talking about how it's just not Panthers football. Um from both sides of the ball, the physicality, the toughness. Um, the way the game is played, it's just not Panthers football. And when I said that, Jeff, you you, you said, well, at this point, we don't even know what Panthers football is. And that's a problem. That is, that's a big problem when you don't know the identity of your team and organization. And even though your team and the people in it are changing every year, you always can stick to that identity that you have, and that was true for the Panthers teams. Um, you know when we were on on the run in two thousand tens, and then early two thousands, there was an identity to all those teams, um, even though it changed each and every season. It was always a physical um, style of football, a physical brand and toughness that each player played with, and now it's just. It's just a mess every week and you don't know what's coming for you. You, you can't guarantee anything, um, any, any style of play. You, you, there's no, n- there's no idea of what's coming. So you're right. It, and that's, that's something that we need to establish is find something find your niche, find what we're good at, and then really go all in on it and build upon that, whatever it is, like the Panthers teams have the past have been tough and physical and played great defense, but whatever it is, find something, hang your hat on it and really go all in on it. And that's another thing that we're missing.
0: I think, and that's you know, the 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 aggravating part is that I think unfortunately, Tepper actually did at the beginning bring on some of the changes that we you know, while they be minor, wanted for this organization the player loyalty, you know, trying to build mend the bridges that they that you know the former owner had burned, the willingness to move into you know the newer era changing up uniforms, you know, changing the way game day was experienced, changing the way that you were able to, you know, just experience the Panthers getting talent and providing them and taking chances in the draft. We're actually thinking those were the things that we were missing in the last era of this regime that we wanted to gain. We just wanted to gain them with what the positives of the last regime were, but unfortunately we gained those and then just lost everything. The former regime was. And the problem being now is that. uh, I get worried that if we were to go through these next four years with rule, I see it right now. I don't see a a, an urgency or a willingness to want to change. It seems very like set in his ways, and you see that like, I mean, look, take a look at the Bengals compared to the last like five years ago. They weren't changing anything. They were sticking with Andy Dalton. They were sticking with you know an on the fence AJ Green or you know Mohamed Sanu. They had no identity. There was no swagger. There was no excitement. Did you watch them today? Nope. It's one of the most exciting games I've ever watched. I mean, and and it's not like they came out of nothing, you know, the Joe Burrow one year. Yes, you had to be the bottom of the league to get that. But then you get, you know, Jamar Chase too. You get these guys. You bring these guys up. You change your uniforms. You change your style. You change your sense. The, The 49ers, the Rams, like teams that were stagnant, the Seahawks, the Titans, you can continue to look back on it. And it doesn't like, and you, it might be easily, you know, the most, easily noticed when you have a, a uniform change but it speaks to the larger change in the culture of the team as a whole and the willingness to be able to move on and go okay this doesn't work anymore we keep trying to beat a dead horse and make this work it's not going to work anymore we have to change the way we do things the titans were dead set on being uh you know a, a, a half a, you know read option team and they kind of turned into one By letting go of the pieces that they wanted. They tried to be this, you know, this break your back offense and this, you know, stonewall defense. And they kind of turned into those things by moving on. Same with the Seahawks. Same with the (laughs) Patriots. The only reason the Patriots didn't have to because their identity is not the Patriots. Their identity is Bill Belichick. So you have your identity and you can do whatever you want with him. That's fine. But, you know, like the Rams, they they became this high-flying offense this over the, you know, through the air. The Chiefs, like these teams that, I mean, what, five years ago, we're just kind of like, eh, yeah, they were, they were always there on the cusp or they were always in the potential in the hunt and they finally got out of the hunt. We can't even get back in the hunt anymore. Well, we sit least- in, the, in the hunt, for the you know, last six weeks of the season. Then it hits week 15, 16 and all right, you're gone. You're eliminated from playoff contention. You just have to be able to have that willingness to go. Okay. We cannot keep doing what we're doing. And they're trying to build this organization and rebuild this team without a chemistry without an identity. Not it's not Panthers football. I don't know what it is. It looks like looks like South Carolina football, but I can't even say that now because South Carolina football is at least putting up more of an effort than the Panthers football are. So I I can't tell you what the what this team is playing like because I've seen deeper than Matt Rule. Um oh, absolutely. Are you kidding me? You like well- Talk you about know, someone who who invokes loyalty and respect from his players. And it, I mean, he saw the work to carry on Joyner put the last four years. You want to yeah. talk about a football player? Talk about the carry on Joyner converted to a wide receiver. The last two years to allow Ryan Helensky or Jason Brown or Nolan yeah. ahead of him. Yeah. And then to get the call and go, Hey, we need you to come play this bowl game. His last potential last game, you know, he probably will stick around, but you know, and then be the MVP of that. That's a coach that goes, okay. I see what this guy's put through, and I'm going to reward that. I'm going to utilize that. If can't if to carry on where the Panthers, Rule would never start him. He would go, yo, he's our guy, and then cut him, and then bring it back a year and a half later, and then just well throw him out to the wolves. Let me let me end
1: my let me end my thoughts on this because um, I know we're just kind of it, it, we're saying the same thing week after week. What bothers me right now is. Carolina doesn't have the history to continue to be mediocre or below average or continue down the road they're going. What I mean by that is, the Cleveland Browns can suck, and yet you're going to still fill that stadium with eighty thousand people. The Cincinnati Bengals can suck, and you're going to, you know, you're going to fill it. Ben Roethlisberger could play his last game tomorrow night in you know Heinz Field, and that place will be rocking because the fans still buy into believing that this is the NFL. This is a part of something awesome. Do you know what I'm getting at? And it you're gonna you're gonna lose it here. And 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 what I'm terrified is don't 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 David is gonna be like Robert Ursay and he's gonna pack up all the stuff on one winter night and go from Baltimore to <laughs> Indy. Do you know what I'm getting at? Like Tepper could go, listen, this just ain't working. So I'm gonna take my team and we're gonna go play, you know, San Antonio. Uh, and and so you 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 you're on a very thin piece of ice here that if you don't as an owner I'll just say it you know because it's up here if you don't get your shit together you're going to you don't have the history in terms of the fans who are going to be maybe a smaller base okay but not the 80 or 90 that's going to fill a stadium 80 90,000 that will fill a stadium every single week and when people are starting to go I'm not even PSL's are going to drop next year you know why am I going to go to a Panthers game next year it's that's where you start to go down a slippery slope that I don't know, Um, you know. And I think the only way you stop it is you chop the you chop the head off of the snake that is Matt Rule, and that's mean. That's 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 pretty bad to say. But it's how I it's you, you got you, I it's, I don't know I you know I, I'm done.
2: We'll see what next next week brings. Um, You know, we'll we'll see if the Bucks have something to play for, which they should. Yeah, they do. Uh, and, um, and you know, so hopefully we can you know still see some bright spots. Uh, I thought Brady Christensen, to, to add a little bright spot into the episode, Brady Christensen uh, hanging in there at left tackle these past couple of weeks. So, you know, if we can maybe um, hope that he can be somebody that we can count on going into next year, uh, that'd be big. And, um, you know, see what we got going into next year. But, um, you know, ideally get the loss next week and set ourselves up in draft position. But, um, yeah, we'll see how we come out next week.
0: And maybe, like Jeff said, maybe Sam Mills getting inducted will will show a, a sense of you know hope and maybe turn the tides a little bit in the Panthers organization. Although, I mean, he's more of a saint apparently, I guess, than he is a Panther according to the Panthers. So, you know, that is kind of aggravating to see. I, I didn't, always love seeing that, but he did hold equal claim to both. And but maybe his induction will 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 bode good things for everyone if he can do so. I mean, I didn't, I I wasn't questioning Steve Smith not getting in you know, right off the bat. I mean, although if Andre Johnson made the finals, I don't know why Steve Smith wouldn't, but that's something we could save for a later date when there's less (laughs) hysteria to discuss. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I would say, you know, we got until then we have to keep waiting and and keep pounding. I'm going to say, we're going to let's keep waiting. And until next time, keep praying that, you know, something gives.